0: Good morning, Valley Bible Church. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Isn't that a great song? Thanks to the worship team and that Ben, that cat can sing, yeah. Thank you. Thanks to the worship team. This, you know, we have uh, four services today. We had two services on Friday night in our worship team, and our tech team, and our... Um, our ushers and our greeters and our safety team, all those people. Would you give them a round of applause for just being here? Man. so we're halfway done with Sunday and uh, a little bit more than halfway done. We are in the book of John and uh, it's Easter Sunday. I'd like you to turn to where we have been studying in John chapter 14. Uh, our text this morning is going to be John 14, uh, 1 through 6. It's the we're going to combine last week's text Um, with the passage that we're going to look at this morning, which is uh, one of the most recognizable verses. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I ask you to stand as we, we read God's Word because we believe that we can give honor to the reading of His Word, and we know that He is speaking to us for sure at this point. I've got things to say about the Word of God, but this is the Word of God. Please give attention. To the reading of God's word, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And Jesus said, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Father of truth, we pray that you would sanctify us in truth for your word is truth through the spirit of truth that we might know better the Savior who is the way, the truth, and the life. In his name we pray. Amen. Easter is Resurrection Sunday. It is all about the resurrection. it is the most important event in all of Christianity that Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, it is the most important event in all of human history. Think about it for this time. All of you, you were born, you're born to your parents and to their parents and their parents. So you were born, and you live a life. you grow up and you, you go to school, you get a vocation. In the normal order of things, you meet someone, and you get married, and you have children. And throughout that lifetime, you have joys, and you have concerns, and you have celebrations of birthdays and holidays. You have more kids. You have a vocation, perhaps, that you love. You have holidays that you uh, express and, and, and celebrate, like Easter, like Christmas, like New Year's. You perhaps you have uh, hobbies and things that you love doing. Maybe you love to fish. Maybe you love to to to, to climb or, or hunt or many things that give you great joy. But in your lifetime, you have difficulties, perhaps even illnesses, challenges in life, along with those great joys. And so you're born and you live and you die. But what was it all about? Is that it? Is there more to it than that? Jesus' life follows the same pattern. he was He was born of a virgin. He was God incarnate, God in human flesh. And then he lived a life of perfection. He never sinned. He went about doing good and performing miracles. And he was betrayed, and he was arrested, and he was crucified. And he died, and he was buried. He was born, he lived, he died, and he rose from the dead. So that makes this the most important event in all of human history, because he is the answer for death. If if politicians and scientists and medical professionals had the answer to death, Would not that be a game changer? Hey, guess what? You don't need to die anymore. That's what he says to us. He is the resurrection and the life. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ not only gives us eternal life, but it also gives us a life. It gives our life meaning and significance and purpose. Because if you just are born and you live and you die, is despair. There's no significance to your life. it had no meaning, all of those things that you did. So it's not just a question of life after death, but it's also a question of the meaning of life. The resurrection Sunday when when Jesus rose from the dead and the disciples discovered him, when you read all that when you read the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, and then you read John, they're all the same. They come to the tomb. And they find that he's not there. And they don't know where they have laid him. And they finally find out that he's raised from the dead. And it's, l- whoa, we didn't see that coming. What? I mean, he, and we, we know we talked about resurrection, but wasn't it like resurrection, quote, unquote, uh, you know, a turn of events, turning the tables on his enemies? No, he really meant it. In fact, um, in Mark, Notice the specificity of Jesus talking to his disciples. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. And Peter goes to Thomas, "Hey, is this finger longer than this one? Do you know what's that all about?" And Jesus deadpans the camera. You guys, it all went over their heads. They didn't understand it. Even on the day of resurrection, it wouldn't be till some time that they really understood the significance. Yes, he's alive, but what does it all mean? What is the meaning of the resurrection? So we go back some 60 hours from the time that He rose from the dead back to where we have been talking about Jesus in the upper room, spending a few hours with His disciples teaching them. And He's teaching them many things, and they missed a lot of things. But He tells us the significance of all that is coming forth with Him dying and raising from the dead. And the first thing that we see is that Jesus is the way to the Father. He is the way to the Father. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus could not have been more clear. He started off by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, if we're not so I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you I will come again that where I am there you may be also. Thomas, well where are you going? And speaking for all the disciples, but we don't know where you're going. And Jesus didn't say in my father's house he didn't repeat it, he didn't go back over it one more time allowed him to just continue to learn at his own pace and said what needed to be said why did they miss these things they they just didn't understand them yet there was a lot of throughout the the upper room discourse they keep asking all of these clarifying questions even the uh, triumphal entry riding on a donkey and he quotes jesus jesus does zechariah and and the text says and they didn't even understand what that meant until after he was glorified whoa And he's going to wash Peter's feet. And Peter said, no, not my feet. And Jesus, what did he say? He said, Peter, you won't understand this now, but later you will. I'm going to the Father. Where are you going? I just told you, you know the way. Somehow latent within them. They know. They have the information. They haven't put the pieces together. He's going to say in a minute, and you know the Father. And then he's going to say, and you know the Spirit. But they don't really comprehend And later he's going to say to them, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will lead you into all truth. And then continually, if you've read through John 13 through 17, as I suggested, you'll see continually they keep asking, well, what? We don't get it. We don't understand. But Jesus is the way to the Father. That's what this is about. Where are you going? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. He is the way to the Father. A couple of lessons for us to begin with. Like Thomas, readily admit what you don't understand. If you don't understand spiritual truth, just tell people. Don't pretend that you know. Uh, Thomas didn't pretend. We all have done that, right? Someone says something that uh, we don't quite get it, we... Smile and nod our heads. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. He didn't do that. He was he was honest. God gives honest answers to honest questions. He does. But also we should be patient with those who do not understand what we know. Everybody's at a different level of maturity and discipleship. And there's some people that don't know as much as you. Don't make fun of them. Don't castigate them. Don't patronize them. Be patient with them as Jesus was. Second of all, second lesson is this we cannot separate the God of heaven from the place of heaven. Heaven without him is not heaven. Jesus was going to a place, the abode of the Father, the place of heaven, but he's coming back for them. And 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 Thomas says, we don't understand where you're going, and it's illogical. If we don't understand the destination, how are we going to know how to get to the destination? And Jesus says, it's the Father, and it is the place of heaven. But heaven without Him is not heaven. Heaven without Him, heaven without our God would be a disappointment. Particularly those of you who are getting older and you're looking forward to going to heaven don't place your hope in the pearly gates and the streets of gold and you're going to be reunited with all your loved ones. Yes, that that stuff is true. But that's icing on the cake. He is what heaven is all about. Being in His presence. Being with Him. Um, In my military career, I had opportunity to be uh, deployed a number of times. And for me, the first six weeks were just brutal. I was one sick, home, homesick puppy, really. I, I longed for my wife and for my family, my church family, my surroundings, and I missed people and relationships so much. After a while, you get used to it and you just do your job. And here I am, a chaplain, of course. I'm supposed to help people who are struggling, and I struggled as well because I'm human. But I also longed for my house, my kitchen, making my own coffee, being able to get in a car and drive, go somewhere, go to McDonald's and shop, being able to, uh, being able to, to go and get in a bathtub—there's no bathtubs on ships, or no bathtubs in the desert of Iraq—and I longed for those things. But if I were to come home, my wife and my family and those relationships were gone, then I am not home. Heaven is about Him. Yes, it's a place. But it is about him. So he is the way to the Father. And Jesus goes on and says this. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is the sixth of the seven I am statements in the book of John. The I am statements are these exclusive statements that only God can make, and they reveal his deity. You remember the construction is ego, a me, I am, which, which mirrors the Old Testament name of Yahweh, I am that I am. And in each of these statements, he says something that only God can say. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in a couple of chapters, we'll see, he says, I am the true vine. Only God can say that, and they speak to his deity. And so Jesus is the way par excellence, par excellence, a little grammar uh, tutorial here, both in English and in Greek, when you have that uh, when you have that uh, definite article, the, sometimes it is the par excellence, which means that it is in a class by itself. He is the way, the only one deserving of the name. He has preeminence, in, and there is no one else that is like him. It's like if I were to say to you, hey, are you going to watch the game tomorrow night? And you say, what game? The game. The game. Gonzaga is playing for the national championship. Did you see the ending of that game last night? Man, that was amazing. Yeah, (laughs) But it is the game, right? And Jesus is the way par excellence. No comparison. Only Jesus is worthy of this title. And the lesson for us is this, which is the lesson of the entire book. Trust in Jesus as the only way to eternal life. He is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to salvation. He is the only way to eternal life par excellence. The only way. He is it. There is none other. So the book of John is all about these things I've written. That you may believe that he is the son of God. And that by believing in his name you may have what? Life eternal. And it's through Him. And that's why He began with, Do not let your hearts be troubled. What's the answer to all of this? Trust in God, trust in Me. Believe in God, believe in Me. There is no other way. So He is the way to the Father, but He is also the way in a wayward world. Not just about eternal life, but also the way of life. This world is... Way word, isn't it? It is directionless and rudderless and aimless, has no purpose. How do you find direction? How do you have a meaningful life? How do you have a good marriage? How do you raise your daughter? You know the answer, YouTube. Right? It's all there. It's not all there. He is the way, par excellence. He is the way. Everyone is looking for direction. What do we do next? Why doesn't someone do something? Maybe there's a podcast. Maybe there's a movement. Maybe there's an author or a website. Maybe there are a series of books or videos that I can buy. Maybe I can sign up and pay a monthly fee. And I'll get daily directions on all the things that I need. He is the way. He is the way. And Jesus said to him, I am the way. Do you know what the early church was known as in the book of Acts? Anybody know? Say it. The way. You know why? Because they taught that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And they followed him. It wasn't just a belief, but it was a reality of life that they lived. Because they believed in a real Savior who really lived and really died and really rose. And they had a real life to live following a real Savior. And so he is the way of life, living life. Isaiah 30, 18 through 23. Isaiah writing hundreds of years before the birth of Christ and his death and resurrection. Speaking to the nation of Israel on the coming day of the new covenant. These are wonderful words. He says in Isaiah 30:18. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. O people of Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he has disciplined the nation Israel. Yet, listen to this very carefully. He, your teacher, capital T, The teacher par excellence. He, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left... And you'll defile your graven images, and it goes on to say you're going to give up those false idols that you're serving. You're going to come back to the one true and living God, because the, the teacher says, the rabbi, the master says, this is the way, walk in it. How many of you know the story of the Mandalorian? Yeah, yeah, the Mandalorian is a it's a wonderful story on Disney Plus, and it's a just it's it's one of the Star Wars franchises, but it. It's, it's a story, uh, there's, there's, there's disagreement amongst people who watch it when, it when it occurs, but most likely it occurs way, way before the other Star Wars uh, uh, movies. But a Mandalorian is this guy who dresses in armor, and he wears his helmet, and he's been entrusted with the child. There's this child, and some think he is Baby Yoda, but he's at least of Yoda species. And the Mandalorian is the protector of this child. And he was a a bounty hunter, but he's been been given the the responsibility to look after this child, the child. But the Mandalorian are a race that have been pretty much extincted from the universe. They've been almost exterminated, but some remain and they wear this armor and they, they don't take their helmets off and reveal their faces. And when they get together and when they talk, about anything, they say, what? This is the way. This is the way of the Mandalore. It is a a code that they live by. It is noble. It is courageous. They're warriors. It's something to wor- be worthy of. It's what delineates them from others that they say, and they live the way. The Mandalorian is a hero and a rescuer, protector. I ask you who are familiar, is he a savior? I think uh, previous or subsequent uh, episodes may show that the savior is the child. Hollywood can't help itself. The gospel message is so compelling. It is indelibly inked in our lives and our existence That story after story after story tells the story of one who rises up from weakness to a point of strength to rescue those who, who cannot rescue themselves. Because God has put eternity in their hearts. But this is the way. Jesus is the way. And it's the way He taught His disciples. What did He teach His disciples that, that was coming for them? He, he told them to wash one another's feet. He told them to, to, to love one another. This is the way. He's going to, going to say as we go for, see, say to them as we go forward, You will love Me. You will keep My commandments. You will live by the Spirit. You will be unified with Me and the Father on your way to heaven. This is the way. But what was Jesus' way to the Father? It was the hour of suffering. It was death and resurrection. That was his way. And he will also teach to his disciples in subsequent chapters that the way will involve betrayal. He says, you will be hated. And you will be hated, O Christian. Why does he say so? Because they hate me. You will be hated because they hate me. You might be killed. Why might you be killed? Because they killed me. If you follow the way, it, it involves all the wonderful good things of love and answer prayer and the Holy Spirit, but it is also difficult. This is the way. couple of lessons. I've been saying it over and over again, but write it down. This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. He is the way. And the way that He is given... What is the way of the world? Do not love the world or the things in the world at all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life fading away. They do not last. Materialism, self-gratification, pride, and power. That's the way of the world. How do we see it? We see it in politics, moralism, mysticism, naturalism, political correctness, cancel culture, racism, humanism, globalism, Marxism, all the isms, they're all isms of the world. It's amazing to me that uh, we live in a time when American culture has embraced Marxism of all things. You know where Marxism, the only place Marxism has ever worked is in the universities of Europe and the universities of the United States. If you've graduated from college in the last 20, 30 years, you've been exposed to it. You may have been steeped in it. You may have been brainwashed in it. But it's always repackaged, and it's always rebranded. And we're never told exactly what it is, and its current rebranding is called critical race theory that denies that you are made in the image of God. It denies that all people are made in the image of God and have value and worth because He has made them it denies that because it denies God. But we are to walk in this way, to love one another, to love our neighbors as ourselves, and to love Him and to keep His commandments. That's the way. second lesson is the way and the person of Christ cannot be separated. Just as the God of heaven cannot be separated from the place of heaven, The way is a person. It is both a person and it is a way of living. You cannot separate the two. If you separate them, then the way of living just becomes a Mandalorian code. It's just stuff that you do because you're living by rules. Yes, there are things that we're supposed to do and not supposed to do, but they flow from him because he is the way. The way is a person. And just as the person is related to the way, so we must be related to him. So, Jesus is the way to the Father, Jesus is the way in a wayward world, and Jesus is the truth in a world of falsehood. For he says, I am the truth, the truth par excellence. the The word became flesh and dwelt among us, it says in the prologue of John. We saw his glory, glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. Truth is in Jesus, it says in Ephesians. He would also say, Jesus would teach us, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Third person of the Trinity. He would pray, your word is truth, Father, sanctify them in truth. And Jesus himself is that divine logos, That ultimate communication of who God is, of that ultimate reality, of the God who exists beyond all things. And Jesus is both the Word and the truth. He is the divine Logos. He is the final Word on all things. But we ask, what is truth? Like Pilate did. Just the concept of truth. Yes, it's the person of Christ. But what about the concept of truth? Well, truth is objective reality. The standard lexicon for Greek lexicon uh, says the, the word truth means this, an actual event or an actual state, reality. That's what truth is. Webster's original dictionary def- defines truth this way, conformity to fact or reality According to that which is, truth is what is. A toaster is a toaster. A dog is a dog. A toaster is not a dog. That's not true. And yet we're confused these days, aren't we? We're confused about truth. But he is the ultimate truth. He is the objective reality. Truth is an objective reality that exists whether you believe it or not. It's true in all places, at all times, for all people. That's what truth is. It doesn't change according to the calendar year, the month, who is ruling our country, the color of your skin, or any such thing. Truth is just truth. It is reality. And Jesus is the ultimate standard by which all truth is measured. Not just moral or religious truth, but even mathematical and scientific. All truth is measured by him because he created all things. And he is the the epitome of truth. He is the truth par excellence, the ultimate truth, the ultimate reality. And all truth finds its source in him, in the person. Imagine you go home today and you're going to hang a picture on the wall, and you you have a stud finder and you go and you find okay there's the beginning of the stud so I'm going to measure over an inch and I'm going to drill a hole to hang this picture so I don't need a rule I don't need a, a tape measure I'm just going to go in the drawer and get a, a ruler and so you get this this ruler 12 inches how do you know it's 12 inches it was made in China wasn't it I mean, maybe it's a squish off this way or a squish off that way. I mean, it's a, they're wanting, you know, the more, the more we measure wrong, we're going to tilt toward China. A, you know, who knows? Tilt toward the east. How do you know? You can't find your ruler, so you, you ask your five-year-old, hey, draw me a, a ruler 12 inches. That's not going to go well. How do we know that that is 12 inches and that an inch is an inch? The United States standards of weights and measures, that's how we know. There is an objective inch by which all of their inches are measured. There is an objective foot by which all of their feet are measured. That is what truth is. And Jesus is that ultimate truth by which all truth is measured. Today we view truth That's something that changes. Truth is relative. We have fact checkers all the time who's checking the facts and verifying the facts. And they tell, and then this fact checker checks that one and that one and that one. And they come up with things like it's mostly true or somewhat false. What's the outcome? People are confused about the truth. Let me tell you, it's not a secret gives us the truth. (laughs) People are not seeking truth. They are seeking power and self-gratification. Because the Bible tells us that. And the Bible is the truth. Paul said in in Romans 3, there is none who understands, none who has the concept of truth in their minds, none who, who, who grasps it, There is none who seeks for God, not really, except those who are drawn by him. And so people are not seeking truth at all. What you think today is true, what might happen tomorrow? I mean, look back at the last five years, 10 years, 15 years. What you thought was settled truth is no longer true. And how is truth decided nowadays? The 24-hour news cycle by what's trending, by what's popular. Uh, people are, are lemmings who go after the latest thing and they just go in the stream of the world. And if it, if it gets critical mass, then it's true. A toaster is a dog. It wasn't yesterday Yesterday that way, but today things have changed. First John 5.19 says, We know that we are of God, And that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. He is the father of lies. We've gone full 1984 in our culture. How many of you have read 1984? 1984, If you haven't read it, read it. The three slogans of uh, of, the book 1984 are these. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. And it's a dystopian novel that was written, was it written in the 40s, I think, when 1984 was way in the future, thinking that this is the way things are going to go. Well, we're actually there. We're tearing pages out of this book all the time and living them. But in 1984, everything is irony like it is today. Everything is the opposite of reality, the exact opposite of what is real. Double speak. Death has found its way into our lexicon. What that means is double speak is the, the act of simultaneously accepting two mutually contradictory beliefs as correct. War is peace. Is it? No, it's not. They're opposites. War is peace, because in in, in the book they're always a war with Eurasia. And they're never winning. Why were they never winning? Because that wasn't the purpose, to win. The purpose is to always be at war so that we're at peace, right? Welcome to 1984. Freedom is slavery, which meant to discourage people from seeking freedom. Because if you get freedom, then you get slavery. Makes perfect sense, right? The Bible tells us this in some way, that if you, if you think you can do whatever you want, you will be enslaved to sin. Ignorance is strength. And for the state in 1984, that means you need to accept as fact whatever you're told. Everything. No matter what form it comes to you, the propaganda is always the opposite of what is true. I can't tell you how many times i read articles this last year, and I encourage you to do this. When you're reading the news on your iPad or your online or whatever, don't just read headlines. They're usually wrong. So many times I've read a headline, and I thought, well, that seems kind of odd. And four or five paragraphs in, I find out it's saying the exact opposite of what the headline says. But if all you're reading is headlines, just you're, you're ignorance is strength as long as we can check the scores as long as we can stream as long as we can entertain ourselves ignorance is strength for the state there are only two views of the world the first view is the the view of that god exists this is the the christian world view There is an absolute, absolute, personal, transcendent being. That is God. He is absolute. He is beyond all things. All things come from Him. Life, truth, grace, all comes from Him. And He's personal. He has made you in His image. That's why you love. That's why you feel. That's why you forgive. That's why you think. That's why you reason. That's why you choose because you are made in the image of an absolute person. And His ideas and all that He does is transcendent. It transcends this world. It is greater than this world. The other view is that God does not exist. And that's the prevalent view of this world today. That means that the universe is, and scientists will even tell you, the universe is finite. The universe is impersonal. The universe is material. And what then? You have no significance. You have no meaning. There's no absolute meaning, no absolute truth beyond the fact that nature exists and you are a machine, Made up of molecules and matter. That's all you are. Your thinking and your reasoning, they're only an illusion. For it is just the physical function of the brain. The brain is just a thing. That's the natural conclusion of materialism. Your emotions are not real. They just, they're just they just a natural chemical reaction of, of the synapses in the brain and, and, and the bodily functions that, that just... It's just something that you feel, but it's not real because it's material and it's physical. Therefore, it can't exist outside of what is material. And I'm only repeating to you what real scientists have said. This is not my saying what they say. There is no meaning. There is no value in those things. And it's the logical conclusion if you are just a meat machine. There is no transcendent absolute truth which leads to despair and hopelessness. We're living in a world that has rejected objective truth and so living in a world of illusions as in 1984, war is peace, equality is racism, men are women, opinions are facts, and lies are truth. Francis Schaeffer, a Christian philosopher and um, apologist tells about how in the early church they, um, they really believed this stuff. This is real. Jesus really lived and really died and really rose from the dead. And so when, you know why? Because they saw him, some of them, or they knew someone who saw him. And it was close enough to the, the event that they believed it and they taught the scriptures. They believed that it was true. And so the early artwork of Christianity drew pictures of real people. Real people worshiping in, in the catacombs because they were being persecuted. But as he said, what happened in, in centuries to come, a Christian are changed. And they weren't drawing real people. They were just drawing images that represented Christians. Like today, you can go to many church websites and you see pictures of people. Where do they, those pictures come from? Stock photos. They're not real Christians. They represent Christians. And so that's the way it is that we we have this ideal of the Christian life and the ideal of to live as Christ and to die as gain and and the, the ideal that Christ came and lived in a real place and really rose from the dead, but we don't live it as if it were real. So to live as Christ is much more than a the group discussion and the life group, the theoreticals, it's true. Many, and I will put men in this case, so guys squirm a little bit. I'm a man, and I'm in the same boat. But many pine away for the ideal, but never live the reality. We would rather live vicariously through the books and the movies and the, the games you know, we're going to stand with Gandalf. We're going to fight the orcs. We're going to slay the dra- dragons. And we're going to win, win, win the maiden. To live as Christ and to die as gain. The glory is in the allegory, but we never get in the real fight. Men, this is the real fight. He is real. That means we have to do the real things. A couple of lessons. Immerse yourself in truth that is in him, in his word, for it is truth, in his spirit, for he is the spirit of truth. Immerse yourself doing the real things. That means you have to really read this, not talk about, yeah, I read it once. You need to really talk to him. You need to really obey him. You need to really love your wife. You need to really do this stuff because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one and he's, he's lying to us all the time, men and women alike. And that's the wor- water in which we swim every day, the world. And we need to go against the stream and we need to immerse ourselves in truth, the truth of Christ and the truth of his word and the truth of his spirit. Otherwise, we just, we're like lemmings. We're just swept away. Second of all, The best way to recognize lies is to know the truth, right? And that's knowing him, knowing Jesus. I am the way, I am the truth, par excellence, he said. He is the way to the Father, he is the way in a wayward world, he is the truth in a a world of lies, and Jesus is the life in a world of death. We live in a culture of death. But Jesus says, I am the life par excellence. There's no other life beyond me. Jesus is the way because he is the source of all life and he is the giver of life, whether it's natural life or whether it is eternal life. He is the embodiment of life. In the prologue, all things came into being through him. You came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He is the life. He is the giver and the source of life, and that means that you are uniquely created in his image, to, to reflect Him, all the good things He made you for a purpose. You're not just a meat machine. Your life and your existence has significance and purpose. And we enjoy life and we love and we have compassion. We have a sense of justice and all those things that exist in the world because they are transcendent from an absolute being. But these are all absolute these things that he's given to us. Unfortunately, our world has devalued life. We live in a culture of death. How many of you like, this is funny, <laughs> murder mysteries, right? <laughs> it's all about murder. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I can say this again. My wife won't mind me. Her, her favorites are, if someone is not killed in the first 30, 90 seconds of a, of a show, it's not worth watching, you know? <laughs> we all like a good whodunit, it, Right? But it gets worse than that. I mean, a good movie is basically from, from Hollywood is, is you know, what's the body count after 120 minutes? The people who lecture us about morality. We live in a culture of death. But we are more than that. You are more. You are precious and made in his image. Nancy Piercy tells the story of an MIT professor by the name of Rodney Brooks who wrote Flesh and Machines. I'll just quote from her. He writes that a human being is nothing but a machine, a big bag of skin full of bile molecules. That's not an unusual point of view. It's it's a point of view found by many uh, scientists and philosophers. But you are uh, this, this bag of skin interacting by the laws of physics and chemistry. It cannot be any other way because there's no God. In ordinary life, of course, it is difficult to actually see people that way. But he says, when I look at my children, I can, when I force myself, see that they are machines. He has to force himself to see it that way. Because his his heart and his, his emotions are telling him something different. Is that how he treats them, though? He says, that is not how I treat them. I interact with them on an entirely different level. They have my unconditional love. The furthest one might be able to get from rational analysis. Certainly, if what counts as rational, he says is a materialistic worldview in which humans are machines, then loving your children is irrational. You must be consistent. Love doesn't exist if they're just a machine and so are you. So how does he deal with the cognitive dissonance? He actually says this, and many other scientists and philosophers say the same thing. He says, I maintain two sets of inconsistent beliefs. I maintain two sets of inconsistent beliefs. War is peace, slavery is freedom. Why? Because the alternative is believing in God. And he won't. Skimming an article this week, I wish I would have pulled out the the source, but it said this A worldview that hates God will never result in love for people. Never. But the worldview of a God who loves and a God of love and a God of life will always result in us loving our fellow man and loving one another. It is the natural consequence of a biblical worldview. But life is only important as it serves a purpose. The purpose is power. I'm sure you read that 4,769 Christians were killed for their faith last year. You read that, right? Wasn't it in the news? Okay, I'm sorry. Um, you, and you also read that uh, between 2015 and 2018, 16,000 Christians were killed for their faith in, in Nigeria. You, you heard that right? No, oh, you didn't read that either. Those deaths don't serve a purpose. One in three of all black pregnancies in an abortion. Did you know that? That doesn't serve a purpose. Wall Street Street Journal tells us that that in 100 years of Marxism, 100 100 million people have died. You, You heard that on Fox News, right? Or CNN? Or no. Life has been devalued, but not with God. He is the life par excellence And he said, I am the life. What's the big deal about the the resurrection, which is the theme of Easter? It's a big deal that he rose from the dead. How many of you had loved ones who have died? Can you imagine two days after their death, you get a phone call, they're alive. What? Yeah, they came back to life. Really? That would be a big deal. It's a big deal because Jesus rose from the dead and he is the answer to death. It's a big deal because Jesus, was if he were, were not raised from the dead, as the Apostle Paul said, you your faith is worthless. Your faith is in vain, and you're still in your sins. But he did rise from the dead. He is the answer to death. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. The conclusion of the matter is this. Jesus is hope in a hopeless world. He said, no one comes to the Father but through me. Sounds very exclusive because it is. But he is the only way because he, he's the one who said it, I didn't say it. He is the only way because he is God. He is the only way because he is the source of all truth. He is the only way because he is the source and giver of all life. He is the only way because he is the only one who rose from the dead. Thus He is the only way. He is the answer to death. Resurrection is the theme of Christianity. What has been the theme of this last year? Fear. The world has been turned upside down this past year because people are afraid of dying. Yes, a real threat, but to live as Christ and to die is gain, really. I'm not afraid to die. Neither should any of us in this room who are Christians. We should not be afraid to die. And I'm not talking about uh, uh, ignoring the rules and all that. I'm just saying we should not be dominated by fear. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's exclusive. But then he offers this invitation to all of us. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Trust in him. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're going to put an exclamation point on that through communion. So I ask you elements and we have the bread and the cup the bread is the represents the body of jesus the cup represents his blood shed for us on friday night in a very solemn way sad at all the suffering that christ went through we partook of communion together but this morning we do so with great joy it's a eucharist it is a thanksgiving for all that he has done for us Thomas Akempis wrote many hundreds of years ago these ancient words about John 14, 6. He said, "'Follow thou me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way which thou must follow.' the truth which thou must believe, the life for which thou must hope. I am the inviolable way, the infallible truth, the never-ending life. I am the straightest way, the sovereign truth, life truth, life blessed, life uncreated. Father, we thank you for this bread and this cup, which recognizes that He is the way, the truth, and the life. That our Lord Jesus Christ really was born, it really lived, was really crucified and buried, and really rose from the dead. It is truth. It is reality. And we declare that as believers in Christ, that He is our Savior, and that He is indeed the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift of grace, the gift of salvation. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to sing one last song.